0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. People who have authority in a specific field, well when they speak, we stop and we pay attention to them. I'll give you some examples. Warren Buffett, probably the greatest and the most successful investment financial person in the United States. He made billions and billions of dollars investing his money in the stock market as well as other financial adventures. Well, when Warren Buffett speaks, we all stop and we listen, and then we maybe even take his advice regarding how to invest our money. How about Albert Einstein? Probably one of the greatest minds this world has ever produced. When Albert Einstein ever spoke, we stopped and we listened and we applied whatever he said, whether it came in terms of math or physics or chemistry. Well, we see that same thing happening here in the first reading, as well as in the Gospel. Go to that first reading. It's from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a world that consists of two words. Deuteros, which means second, and nomos, which means law. So it's the second law. Now, the first law was the Ten Commandments that Moses gave the Israelites, but also the book of Leviticus. Well, in Deuteronomy, Moses is giving the Israelites a series of talks on how the Israelites will maintain their relationship with God and continue to live out their faith. Now, again, it's based upon the law of the Ten Commandments and Leviticus. And yet, some scholars say that Deuteronomy is also Moses' last will and testament. It's basically his last instruction to the Israelites, because shortly afterwards, he's going to die. Now, the passage that we heard today in the scripture readings is somewhat odd. It says, Moses spoke to all the people, saying, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen. Now, the first thing we can take from this is that we know Moses is the greatest figure in the Old Testament. Here's why He was the one that spoke with God on top of Mount Sinai in the form of a burning bush. He was the one that was sent by God to liberate the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and lead them all the way to the promised land in Israel. Moses was the only person that ever spoke to God face to face when he stayed on top of Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights speaking with God. And then afterwards, he received the Ten Commandments from God to give to the Israelites and so we can assume Moses speaks with great authority in the Old Testament. Now, why is this important? Well, because prophets that came after Moses, scribes, rabbis, Pharisees, when they taught, they always traced their teaching back to their mentor. They would say, for example, I learned from Rabbi so and so, who learned from Rabbi so and so. And in doing so, they were able to trace all of their teaching back to Moses. It was a way of legitimizing their teaching. You know, we do that ourselves as Catholics. Right after the homily, we essentially pray or we recite the Nicene Creed. And in part of the creed, we say, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Well, apostolic means that we as Catholics can trace all the teachings of our present church all the way back to Jesus and the apostles as they gave it to us. And so, it's something of legitimizing our faith and all the teachings of our faith. Now, go back to that first reading with Moses. He says, a prophet like me, God will raise up. Well, Moses is telling the people that someone greater than him is coming. Now, mind you, Deuteronomy was written around 500 B.C. Now, since then, a lot of prophets came and gone. Prophets like Elijah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. And he's not referring to any of them. See, this is the reason why the church uses this reading from Deuteronomy against the backdrop of the gospel. Here we see exactly what Moses is talking about. In the gospel that we have for today, Mark is going to tell us exactly who Jesus is, and he's going to tell us his mission. Well, the gospel opens up, and Jesus is in the synagogue, and he's commenting and teaching about the scripture readings that were just read, which was a common practice amongst teachers and rabbis and scribes during Jesus' time. Now, these teachers, scribes, and rabbis— they would always begin by saying, thus says the Lord, as if to say that all of their teaching can be traced back to Moses, who received his knowledge from God himself. But notice, Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he says, I tell you, as if Jesus is the absolute source of the teaching. And it says, the people were astonished at his teaching, because he didn't teach like the scribes. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking that the content of what Jesus was teaching was brand new, as if Jesus was teaching an aspect of Jewish faith that they never heard of before. No, it wasn't the content of his teaching. It was how he taught. It says he taught with authority, not as the scribes. Well, the scribes always taught as if their teaching was passed down to them from generation to generation, you know, finding its leader in Moses, who was the ultimate Old Testament supreme authority. But the people notice Jesus isn't preaching that way. It's something altogether different that they've never seen or heard of. Jesus is claiming that he is the authority. Now, The Greek word that is used there for authority is exousio. Ex means out of. Usio means substance. And so, Jesus was preaching out of his own being as a person. So, then it begs the question, who could possibly teach with such authority? In fact, who was greater than Moses? Well, the only person could be is God, God himself. And so, Mark is telling us, Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, now mind you, the gospel that we read today is chapter 1 from Mark's gospel. So from the very beginning, Jesus is revealing his identity. Now, if you are a first century Jew, and you are present in that synagogue, and you're hearing this, you would be absolutely shocked. You would be even rattled to the core. And it says, the people there in the synagogue were astonished at his teaching. Well, Jesus was teaching as God, because he is God. Now, the second part of the story it says, A man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. Now, this is important to remember again. This is the first demon that Jesus encounters as he begins his ministry. And where does he encounter this demon? In the church. I remember my professors in the seminary said when talking about this gospel passage, they'd always say things haven't changed. Well, that's so true. Now, we always believe the enemy of the church is always outside the gates of the church. Well, yeah, that's true. But the enemy of the church is also inside the church, as it is with Jesus in this gospel. And it can be seen. You know, people who think that they know better on how the church should be run or operated, and then they seek to do just that. And in doing so, they cause great destruction and division within parishes and churches. And so Jesus encounters this dark, negative, and divisive spirit in the church. Now notice what the spirit says to Jesus. What do you want of us? Now, it's a single demon, but speaking in the plural. See, that's the diabolical spirit. The man that is divided inside. His mind is going one way, the will is going another. His heart is going one way, the intellect is going the opposite way. See, that's the diabolical self. The diabolical self that causes division within the individual. But it doesn't stop there. And it also influences all the other people around that person such that it creates destruction and division within those people and within a faith community. Now, this man, he represents the dysfunction of sin, all the divisions and the hatred of this world that has distorted and broken God's creation. What does Jesus say? Quiet, come out of him. Jesus is not appealing to Moses, like the prophets did, who would say, Oh God, please help me to rid this man of the Spirit. Instead, Jesus, in his own voice and with his own authority, he commands this demon to leave. And it says in the Gospel, All were amazed and asked, Who is this, a new teaching with authority? Well, see, that's the point. Jesus speaks not appealing to Moses, but he speaks ex usio, out of his own being, his own self. Mark is telling us exactly Jesus' identity. He's not a prophet amongst many. He is God. And he also tells us his mission, to heal a divided creation. Now, we see this in Mark's gospel. We see it in other gospels. Look at John. Throughout John's gospel, Jesus is always saying, I and the Father are one. Now, that's a clear affirmation of who Jesus is. Jesus is God, and he speaks with authority. So, what's the implication for us? If we're made in the image and likeness of God, and we are, and if we, through baptism, share a life with Christ, and we do, then we're naturally compelled to listen, follow, and embody the teachings of Christ, especially when Jesus' mission is to reconcile us to the Father. Jesus speaks with authority. And he speaks about how we are healed from our sin and how we must remain in a right relationship with God. And in doing so, then we have the hope of eternal life. And so we have to follow, we have to listen, and we have to embody Jesus' teachings. Jesus' teachings aren't something that we can follow when it's convenient and then set aside when it's not convenient or when we don't have time for it. no. Or Jesus' teachings are one in which we say, well, I agree with this and that, but I don't agree with this other things, and therefore I'm only going to follow those things. No. Jesus is God. He teaches with authority. Therefore, all of Jesus' teachings within our church have to be listened to, have to be followed, have to be embodied by us each and every day of our life. If we want a right relationship with God, and if we want that great gift of eternal life that Jesus wants us to have. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.